Did you see the new um, uh, the new Picard trailer that just came out? I think like yesterday. That no, I haven't seen it. No. Okay, it looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, it has well it has data in it, which I was kind of surprised. Really, at. I feel like that. I mean, and I think they ran into this even with Nemesis, but even but now it must be even more of a problem that like it seems like it'd be really hard to have data when Brent Spiner has must have aged and theoretically an android wouldn't in the in the trailer it appears like it's a like a dream sequence and right so it's it's it is brent spiner wearing the makeup but he's like significantly uh puffier no offense to brent spiner you know everyone everyone gets older but it's it's odd i so i wonder i i have so many questions about how he's going to be used in the show because of you know the both the continuity of the show and the the continuity of our real life, like how right. he will be uh, in it, but yeah, yeah, because uh, you would assume you wouldn't be able to use like Tarkin level CG for a weekly television show, right, right? Right, like you can pull off that kind of stuff for a big feature film, but you're not gonna. And even then, you can only kind of do it. You know that I, I think the Tarkin stuff in Rogue One looks works pretty well, but the the fully lit Leia shot at the end of that movie is a little uncanny valley. Yeah. Uh, the yeah the, the so there's data is in it in like a dream sequence and then we've got a decent amount of of Riker in it and a little bit of Troy <laughs> and um, a decent amount of Seven in it as well so huh. it looks it looks interesting. interesting it looks it looks you know so much more interesting to me than like what I've seen of Discovery you know on a personally I, don't know. I feel like I bash Discovery a lot in the show and. Uh, we haven't even really given it a do at all on the podcast yet, but eventually. Yeah, I'm curious to finally watch an episode of that. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen parts of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And this episode, uh, we are talking about a TNG entry. We're doing a TNG Next, Next Generation Season 1, Episode 21, which is called The Arsenal of Freedom. And uh, the, the Memory Alpha uh, uh, description of this episode is, Jordi LaForge leads the Enterprise-D into battle, while Captain Picard and an away team are trapped on the planet Minos, taking fire from a dangerous automated weapons system. So uh, this is a, you know, a very early... Uh, it's yeah. a very, a very odd uh, episode for for me to watch as I'm as I'm my wife and I are finishing up Next Generation because it is really striking how different the show looks. Just yeah, to, it, I think it this the which and it's weird because I don't remember notice because this isn't the earliest episode of T, of the Next Generation that we've watched for the podcast because the Big Goodbye right. was before this. But I feel like it's for whatever reason it's more striking in this one just how different of a feel it was early mm-hmm. on like it, they were still i think trying to find find what the show would be i was thinking about that and i i agree with you and i, th- I think the reason why is because the the previous episode most of it takes place in the holodeck so they're kind of yeah they're not wearing their they're not wearing their weird pajama uniforms right. as much and it's not really they're not really doing like the business of the ship yeah so it was it was interesting to because I know especially for the first at least for the first few episodes it was very definitely you know it it more just seemed like they were trying to make the original series Star Trek all over again and 
capture more of the feel of that. And this may be kind of in that transition between trying to feel like that and becoming its own show. But yeah, and and there's just either the, I don't know if it was the directing or the production quality or the acting or what, but it just, the show felt very rough around the edges to me for this episode. It's, it's interesting that you say that it feels like kind of a transition episode, because I actually wrote down in my notes that I think the weird thing about it is, is it feels so much like a kind of a, a mid-level original series episode. Uh, just the way that, like, there's a problem on the ship, and then the captain like you know, they go down to a planet, a planet that's obviously fake, with like, kind of like a yeah. weird sky in the background. Yeah, the set uh, is very, yeah. And, and and like the captain even goes down with the away team eventually, and uh, very yeah, very. It seemed very very old school, and just even like the point that the episode is trying to make is like it's it's a very not that it's a bad point, but it's a very you know kind of heavy handed and simplistic. And yeah, still, so like, what not, was, not a bad message, but... but th- This is my main thing with this episode. What do you think the point of the episode was? Do you think it was the whole people create unstoppable killing machine and then unstoppable killing machine wipes out people? Well, it's, it's weirdly... I mean, in its own way, it is kind of like a strangely prescient thing because it seems like a lot of it is sort of about unmanned warfare, like drone warfare, which was not really... Yeah. A thing, I don't think, when this came out. This came out in 1988. April 1988, yeah. Uh, uh, but so this, this episode is as old as you are. Yeah, right. It's it, it came out three no two months the three months before I was born. But um, yeah, it, it so it seems like kind of about that. But then yeah, I think beyond that, this is kind of like just general you know proliferation yeah, and stuff. I feel like even if that's the point of it. Like, first of all, that's hardly an original or, like, something that hasn't been done before in sci-fi and even in Star Trek, right? Like, I can't think of a specific one, but I know there's original series episodes where that's kind of the whole thing. Like, we built this advanced, you know, machine or robot because we wanted to be the best at killing, and then it ended up killing all of us. Right. But but the episode doesn't really spend much time going into that. Like that's kind of the setting for the episode, but then there's just a lot of like them running around doing stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I, I don't know that you could say the episode was about that as much as that's like a thing that happens. Right, because there, there's a lot of like uh, character development time given over to Jordy. Yeah, that that was I think my favorite part of the episode, and I think they did that well. Yeah, I, I yeah, but there's a lot of just like Tasha Yar shooting at things. Right, <laughs> the amount of episode time that that takes up. That, that's another reason why this felt so original series is that there's just like these kind of boring looking and, and sequences of them just kind of pointing their little TV remote things at a, at a at a robot and then it blowing up at, and it you know not not to rag on the original series because but you know the original series you are as well aware of like the limitations it's working with and it's it's weird to see this show come, which came out 20 years later kind of appearing to deal with that the same kind of limitations you know to the extent where not that i think the drones look stupid or anything but they you know i was reading about the the drones which were made out of uh a like a discarded uh pantyhose egg (laughs) and an old shampoo bottle yeah i could see that not not again not not that that's really a bad thing you know there's episode one of star wars famously uses a woman's razor for um the like qui-gon's uh link so you know i think that's kind of cool but it's it's, it is just it was it's a very it feels very odd this episode does yeah and i don't know how much it's a budget thing or the fact that it was the late 80s but i feel like other stuff that came out in the late 80s that think of the production quality as being more than what you see here or even just the um like they're even just the 
kind of the uh, cinematography, I guess, or the acting. Like there's a scene very early on that I made note of where, you know, they come up on the either on the planet or on the the sh- they're looking for like what happened to the the ship that they're searching for. And someone's like, what do you think could have happened to them? And then it cuts from like close-ups of different characters' faces and they just like say what their idea is. Like it cuts to Worf and he's like, it was a war. Or, he, or they say, they're all like one word. So he's like, war? And they cut to data and he's like, disease? <laughs> it's just yeah. this very awkward, like awkwardly shot and awkwardly delivered. And it's just, I don't know. First... Like a series that I think for a lot of people became the favorite Star Trek series. It's very rough around the edges still at this point. I agree with you, but I also kind of oddly enough, I would say this is this is our second uh, episode that we've done on a season one TNG episode. And I, I I didn't like love this episode, but I also I have memories of season one of TNG being really pretty bad. And I wouldn't say this is like really bad. It's just kind of like, eh. You know, like, like it's kind of like if yeah. this was what the show was all the time, I wouldn't watch it. But it wasn't like horrible or anything like that. And I do feel like I remember some of the the, the some of that that early season, the first the first couple seasons being pretty yeah. bad. And oh yeah, I remember you like not liking this show at all for most of the first few seasons. Yeah, and with with you know, with a few notable exceptions, which uh, I'm sure we'll yeah. get to eventually. But it, so I, I I will say you know. Looking, looking at those, maybe even looking at them in a vacuum is better in this case, um, because I'm not like wondering when like the good stuff is going to happen. But for whatever reason, neither of the episodes that we've watched for this, I, I wouldn't say that either of them I loved, especially like in context of the show as a whole. But you know, the long the the big goodbye is is you know a, a, a kind of a fun episode, a, a rudimentary but fun episode. And this this one, it was just kind of like. Eh. I, I mean, you know, I, I like what they're doing with Jordy, and you know, I, I didn't, you know, no one was, no one was, uh, you know, the, the we're recording this on the day that our our uh, two days and two nights episode came out, and you know, nobody was looking to <laughs> sexually harass uh, an alien or anything like that. So yeah, that's true. It wasn't actively offensive, right? It was just, <laughs> just kind of was. No, I think they they did some some nice character work, mostly with Jordy, but you know, with Crusher a little bit. Um, and Picard, kind of their scene together is, is I feel well done. Okay. Do you, do you, yeah. Do, do you want to get into the plot? Yeah, yeah, let's go through it. But it, so, shouldn't be, it shouldn't take us that long, honestly. It, it's, it's right. So, so the, show, the episode starts out with the Enterprises. It starts out with they're looking for a, another Federation ship that went missing near this planet, right? Mm-hmm. The Drake, I believe, is what it's called. Yeah, and they come, they come up on this planet that's completely abandoned. It's this sort of... You know, there's lots of structures, but there's no, they can't detect any life forms anywhere on the planet. No, uh, no intelligent life, right? I think there's no intelligent life. They say that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's another, it kind of reminded me of the, of Fairhaven, the episode where there's all this kind of discussion about holograms and they're discussing it with the doctor who is a hologram. Right. That's our previous episode. That's, that's, uh, that's the delete the wife episode, I believe. Yeah. That data is involved in all these discussions where they're just like, there's no one on this planet. We can't detect any intelligent life forms. And like, what, what could possibly be doing all these things if there's no human, you know, if there's no living or like intelligent living organisms here and you like have an AI there with you, who's one of the people saying these things and right. it never occurs to any of them that like it could be an artificial intelligence. And I guess it does end up being an artificial intelligence, but not really 
sort in the of same way that data yeah. is. It's a kind of it's it's like set to respond to things in like a yeah. It's more of like a programmed or right yeah pre-recorded thing, but. But anyway, so because the they come up on this planet and sort they I forget where this information comes from, but the planet it, it used to be the home of essentially arms dealers as part of there's a big interplanetary war, and these people would make weapons and sell them to both sides to profit from it. Mm-hmm. The idea of that being like a planet's primary source of like that that a whole planet would be engaged in. One activity like that reminded me of the planet in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that its job is to make planets. Yeah, it is kind of a similar. Mm-hmm. Except for deal. instead of fjords, they make, uh, you know, right. drones and super weapons. Killing stuff, drones. Yeah. yeah. So they beam down to the planet to to try to find any trace of the Drake, and then pretty soon after they get there, I, and I'm trying to remember the order of things. Whether they're attacked by the the floating shampoo bottles first, or if they where they they meet who they who looks like the captain of the Drake, who was an old friend of Riker's from the academy. I believe they don't get attacked until after that. I think because the the Drake at that. first the drone is trying to trick them before it starts attacking. Them. Okay, yeah. So Riker starts talking to to this guy who starts asking all these questions about uh, about his ship and what their arms are, and Riker very kind of quickly figures out this isn't actually his old friend and starts doing this kind of weird banter with him um, and makes a Shirley Temple joke. I was just say this is this is a very this is another very uh, original series thing. You know, Riker is kind of yeah. the Kirk character on the show. You know, I think Roddenberry specifically wanted that kind of a guy on the show to kind of be a Kirk analog. And this thing where he's basically lying or like outlaw trying to outlogic a computer so the computer yeah. breaks is such a that he does that on original series all the time. Yeah. He he also when when the drone asks him or when the hologram asks him what his ship is called, he says that it's the lollipop, and then he he says it's a good ship. It's a good yeah. ship. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, and so eventually the computer or hologram or whatever it is kind of catches on that, that he's not fooling anybody and turns into one of these weapons that sort of freezes. He puts this stasis field around Riker and then starts shooting at uh, its Tasha Yar and Data that are there with mm-hmm. him. So then because they can't, they're trying to figure out how to get Riker out of this force field, and so then that's when Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher uh, beam down to the planet to get together to help him and they put Jordy who for some reason is on is like piloting the ship before this in season one he is this is one of the differences in season one that's what his job his job is helmsman in season one and he gets promoted I believe really? in season two to be chief engineer yeah. because there's another yeah. chief engineer okay. in this episode obviously as we that's true there was yeah so they, he leaves Jordy in charge in command of the bridge and beams down and so they're kind of running around they're trying to get Riker out of this bubble and they're they keep being attacked by these floating drones. And then as part of that, uh, Picard and Crusher fall it through a like a pit in the ground and tumble down into this cave. And Crusher breaks her arm and her leg, and Picard's trying to sort of stabilize her and also find a way out. Side note, I, we don't need to get into this for too long, but w- he's trying to stabilize her, and at one point she says, she, she tells him to find some roots and to rub them on her wound, which... A, I, I did think to myself, well, these are, how how do we know that these these roots are analogous to roots on another planet? Which is a question I think like I have like a lot of time on the shows. Right, that she immediately recognized over here, like, oh, it's these roots. But yeah. the other thing was that I think the day a day or two before I watched this episode, I texted you about an episode of 
TNG that I watched with my wife that is about, it's one of the, it's maybe the worst episode of the show that I've ever watched. It's from season seven. And it is about basically a, a ghost that, I mean, it's, it's a science ghost, but basically it's basically, it's like a gothic romance episode, a gothic kind of horror romance episode of the show where there's a, a ghost that possesses people and they let him possess them because he basically keeps them in like orgasmic throes of, of pleasure. And he possesses Crusher after his previous host, who he possessed for many, many years, uh, dies. And the previous host is her grandma, who was a healer on this other planet. And then there's a, there's a really strange scene too in that in that uh, in that show where basically, <laughs> where basically uh, Crusher takes her, her grandma's journals after her grandma dies and finds that they're full of like basically erotic stories about her and this ghost. And and, and she reads them. She just like talks about how she reads a bunch of them. And I. I which Kim and I were super weirded out by, but um, it was just you know it, it was funny because then then and I the, this is the next episode of Star Trek that I watched after that and she's like oh my grandma <laughs> was a healer and she knows how to make poultices out of roots and I was out of roots I was thinking to myself well, I know what your grandma's up to right now she's up, she's your grandma's <laughs> nasty <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was like a funny little coincidence, but go on, go on. Yeah. And so they have kind of this little, uh, this little moment between Picard and Crusher because, so part of this is that Crusher's kind of telling the story and explaining these roots and Picard's also trying to keep her talking to keep her awake because she's going into shock. And, and so you find out kind of this backstory about her that Picard says he he never knew about her, that her grandmother, and I make it sound like she was part of this colony too, but essentially there's this this colony that um, her grandmother was part of that something went bad and, and a lot of like the colony failed and they didn't have supplies and a lot of the people died. And then her grandmother was having to, to find kind of these more traditional um, non-conventional forms to, to take care of people. And that's it. Yeah. Um, and so they have, it's, it's kind of this, this development in the, in that relationship or friendship between Crusher and Picard. Yeah, that that stuff seems basically to exist for like to set up some will they will they want they stuff, which never really is fully delivered on with those two characters. But obviously, like they yeah they clearly like at least have a some kind of romantic interest in in each other. Yeah, and. And then while they're doing that, the Enterprise itself actually gets attacked by essentially a space version of one of these same drones. But it's it's scarier. It's because it's because it it has a cloaking ability, and so they never know when it's attacking them. Yeah. So they're not. So it'll it'll show up and shoot them, and then before they can get a lock on it, it'll disappear again. And so Jordy's commanding the ship as they're trying to figure out a way to defeat this drone. And it's basically, any time they come up with sort of a tactic that might succeed against it it'll already have a countermeasure and that and that's and that won't work and, and the ship's about to be destroyed and so they end up having to flee having to leave the system and this is kind of like a, a sort of a crisis of confidence for Jordy because he is not the highest ranking person on the ship and the chief engineer at this point is higher ranked than him he kind of keeps on bullying yeah he's a real jerk he keeps on bullying uh Jordy to to leave or to do what he wants him to do or whatever. But it's never, my, my thing with him is he seems almost like he's just being a jerk for the sake of being, like it's never clear what his plan is or what he wants to do. He wants to bail, I think. He just kind of shows up on the bridge in the middle of this crisis, like they're being attacked, and then decides to make a power play of, 
Like, I should be in charge. I should be calling the shots here. And so instead of actually doing anything, Jordy's having to argue with him. And it, it almost, if I remember right, when he first shows up, he's like, we need to, like, we need to get out of here. We right. need, to, we can't fight these things. We need to abandon the away team and leave. And then when they end up doing that, then he comes back and is just like, why in the world would you abandon the away team? You just left the captain to <laughs> yeah, die. It seems like he's You're a terrible kind of... commander. He's just making like a power play for the sake of a power play. Yeah, he's he's just a real jerk. <laughs> yep. And they do actually end up leaving uh, after because, because they don't because Jordy doesn't want to leave. Obviously, he doesn't want to abandon the, the team, but he also doesn't want the ship to blow up. And so he right. he leaves, and then they do a saucer separation so that kind of the non-essential, non-military trained personnel will be safe. And then the, the battle bridge part of the Enterprise comes back and then they, they figure out how, you know, using science, they figure out how to disable the cloaking of the, of the, or not disable the cloaking, but just kind of basically to like, f- you figure out where the cloaked thing is and then they shoot it and they blow it up. And this is, again, this was, I think, my favorite part of the episode was, was Jordy having to take command and kind of, you know, he's this young, you know, fairly junior officer. It's not sure if he's ready for for all of suddenly having the responsibility of, you know, the entire ship worth of people mm-hmm. and of their lives being in his hands. He, he looks very young in this, too. He looks a lot younger than he ends up looking on the show, I felt like. So that, that kind of Yeah, well, I think he was, right? Like, how old was... Lavar Burton and uh, I don't think he was super old, but I mean, he uh, had done he had done Roots before this. Although I don't know how old he. was. I mean, he Roots. was really young in Roots. Yeah. like he was a kid in Roots, right? Uh, I've never seen Roots, um, so I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well, apparently, Reading Rainbow was before, or like started before Star Trek. Hmm. Okay. He was he was born in 1957, so he was 31. Okay, so not super young. At my age, your age for what? Like another few weeks? Three weeks, yeah. So then Deanna Troy, counselor Troy, takes him aside, and you know she kind of needs a moment with him as the ship's counselor, and. He's like, what? I thought I was doing fine. And then it turns out that like, she thinks you know, he's doing very well handling the stress. He's doing being a good commander, but that he needs, you know, that part of the responsibility is not just keeping his own cool and being a commander, but also being a leader for the other people that are now looking up to him for, for strength and for confidence. Because they're the two, um, sort of the two helmsmen of the ship now are both also kind of very young, fairly inexperienced, and they're very scared and very nervous. And so she, she tells him that, you know, they're looking to you, take strength from you, and that that being kind of part of Part of the, the burden of command is is having to, you know, know when to encourage them and when to just appear strong for them. And I thought that was a was a cool a cool thing to bring up and, and a they did a good job of showing that as well as having her talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I really liked that scene. And I, I feel like the show often doesn't really give Counselor Troy a lot of counseling to do. And this right. was this was a good example of that. It was a good example of like her being, you know, very encouraging, but also very insightful and giving him like what he needed at the right time, which I, I it's interesting too, because this, you know, because there is no um, sentient or there's, there's no like sentient and or uh, organic life on this planet. She can't use like her powers at all. This is, this is a totally empath free episode of, of yeah. you know, in terms of her like solving problems. She's just actually basically being, uh, just a you know a non-powered ship's counselor, and I, I I liked that scene a lot. That was I agree. I think that was probably the best scene in the in the episode. So in the, yeah, so they they solved that problem. Then 
I mean, you kind of, we basically already said basically everything that happens on the planet. Yeah. So what it turns out that Picard finds out is that the these drones that are attacking them are essentially a demonstration model. That the the people of the planet who are these people that make powerful weapons of war made this sort of demonstration or like advertisement where you'll see how strong our, our weapons are and the fact that they continue to improve every 12 minutes and be so impressed that then you'll want to buy them. This is all explained by like a, a hologram man who they see like on on the bridge, they, they contact him on like the, the screen and he kind of does like this weird voicemail thing to them and then and then they run yeah. into him later on again underground. And he's he's one of those people that as soon as I saw, I was like, where do I recognize this guy Same. from? Same, who, who is he? I, I didn't look him up. So his name's Vincent Schiavelli. Uh, he's one of these like character actors that's just in everything. Mm -hmm. Like he's been in at least one episode of pretty much any TV show ever. Where I am pretty sure I recognized him one from was, uh, have you ever seen Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension? I have not. I have not. It's it's a it's like a cult film from probably around the same time with like Peter Weller and Christopher Lloyd and I think John Lithgow. But but he's like one of he's Again, sort of just kind of a minor character in that. He's like Christopher Lloyd's henchman that's going around with him through all of this. Hmm. But I think that's where I recognized him from. And it's it's a show that, that I know I've read before that like either the same people were involved or that just like some of the people that made Star Trek were big fans of and would like throw little Easter eggs to every now and then. Hmm. Just in, you know, and like, there'd be, you know, there'd be like little scenes in the background where like a list of ships is running by or a list of people and it'd have like, be bonsai or <laughs> like the ships are all made by the same company or something like that. Sure. But, sure. Huh. But yeah, he's been in, in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then the, the implication kind of what Picard figures out is that they made this, this super weapon, these kind of killing machines. And then that's what wiped out the people of the planet themselves. They kind of, your, he says, your own creation destroyed you, which, again, is kind of what we were saying before is is not really extremely original or something that, you know, that's a, kind of a, a common theme for, I would say, for sci-fi in general, but definitely something that's done in Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, the name of the episode is the Arsenal of Freedom, which is also what the hologram calls the thing, which strikes me as like a very kind of Reagan era critical, you know, just kind of critical of like the whole the more we spend on defense, like the freer we will allow ourselves to be type mentality, you know? Yeah. The, the line that the little like tagline that one of the things that got the guy says during his original appearance when he's making, when it's just kind of a pre-recorded like sales pitch is uh, peace through superior firepower, mm -hmm. which is a, but, but again, I feel like that could, that's an interesting kind of thing to explore is that, I think part of what they wanted it to be about, but just didn't spend a lot of time going on it. But that idea that, you know, is, is that really such a thing? Because that, you know, that was essentially American foreign policy for the... <laughs> it still it still is, basically. <laughs> Maybe it still is, yeah. But that just, like, more weapons we have to destroy other people with, the more secure and then the more peaceful things will be, right? The better we are at war, the more peaceful it will be. But you're right, though, that they don't really, they don't really explore it that much. It's kind of like, it's just almost there and they're kind of, they kind of say it and then almost like the audience is just to be like, oh, you get it. It's bad, you know, because yeah. now we have to go like have multiple scenes where we're, we're pointing lasers at these drones. Um, at these drones. Well, I was going to say, that, that's what's happened with the other three, is that eventually they figure out how to get Riker out of stasis, which is basically that they just keep on pointing their 
phasers at him with different settings until one of them unfreezes them. And yeah. um, not even basically, that's just what's happening. Um, and, and then... Yeah, that was not hyperbole. And then they are running around trying to find where, you know, where Picard and Crusher went. And then they keep, they, they are seeing that these, these drones keep on upgrading. And I did think to myself, you know, these, the one out in space, that one's pretty impressive and kind of scary, but the, the drones that they're upgrading, they don't seem that good because it basically seems like they just kind of get confused if people are shining more than one phaser beam at them. Yeah. Essentially each upgrade means that it takes one more person pointing a phaser at it to destroy it. And the only reason that becomes a problem is that, you know, they get to a point where they're like, oh no, the next upgrade, there's no way that we're going to be able to, you know, that's kind of becomes the sort of the point of like conflict or the the time pressure that they're faced by is that there's going to be another upgrade coming and we're not going to be able to defeat that one because the last one took three of us pointing our phasers at us at it. And there's only three of us. So if the next one takes four people, we won't be able to defeat it. Right, it's just like it doesn't really seem like it really takes a lot of evasive maneuvers, and it, I mean it's a very bad shot. You know, for for something that's supposed to be like a killing machine, it, it shoots at a bunch of people and it never hits anyone. It, never you know, hits it anyone. freezes. Yeah. It freezes a Riker in stasis, I guess. But then it, there's a several times where it's shooting lasers or phasers, and it just doesn't ever hit. So it's kind of it's kind of a lame yeah. killing machine. But that is, I guess, another kind of fun thing, or not fun thing, but just like a you know again a sort of a, a funny criticism of like the the military industrial complex thing is that the way that they end up defeating it is that Picard says that they'll buy it like just offers to yeah. buy it yeah. <laughs> and so that when they, when they buy it like oh yeah the demo's over and we don't have to it doesn't have to keep on working so and yeah. then they leave uh, they, 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 the ship come you know they've destroyed they've destroyed either, either destroyed or turned off like the demo sections and then Jordy lets gets them beamed back up onto the ship, and then how does the episode even like actually like what's like the last thing that happens? It's just like oh yeah, they they just get back on the they just get beamed back onto the ship, and then yeah, and I think they just fly back to rendezvous with the saucer section. Yeah, like I don't even because I don't even think there's a like sort of the typical end of Star Trek one liner or anything. Well, uh, I don't, I but. forgot that this happened, and I only saw the episode a couple of days ago, but it, apparently. Um, Picard gets back onto the ship and says that LaForge needs to stay in command of the ship and because he wants the ship back in in one piece. So uh, and so he so uh, Jordy gets to be in charge of the ship until the saucer section is is put really? together. I don't remember that either. Huh, that's that's. And weird. I also watched this just a couple days ago. I wonder if there's a yeah. I have no memory of that. I watched this one on Netflix. Okay. I watched it on. I watched it on Hulu. Man, I, Maybe I watched this one on Hulu. I think I watched it on Netflix though. Huh. huh. I mean, I remember. I remember Picard coming back onto the ship, but I don't. I don't remember that that, that exchange. But that's kind of a cute, you know, little way to end it. Yeah. That's not- but yeah, I mean, we haven't really. I mean, we we that's the plot of it. <laughs> uh, if we haven't really talked about like any, you know. Did you take a lot of notes in this episode, or not really? Not a lot, really. No. I think. Um, I did. So going back to we may be spending too much time talking about the the, uh, the drones that are defeated by pointing your lasers at it. But I did actually like legitimately laugh. And I don't know what this says about my sense of humor that I did laugh out loud at this the first time when, you know, they, it had been a scene with with either Picard or seen up on the ship. And then they cut back to what's going on with the people on the surface. And it, it's just Yar trying to shoot one of these things while Data is trying to get Riker out of stasis. Mm-hmm. And just like repeatedly, like she'll shoot her phaser at it and it'll move a little bit to the side. And then as soon as she stops, it moves right back to where it was. 
and then she tries to shoot it again. It moves to the side again. And for whatever reason, it, I just found it really funny. Yeah. Like the number of times that she keeps trying the same thing. And then she yells, this one's different. And oh, yeah. um, I just found it very funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we haven't really. I mean, I guess she technically was in. She must have been in the Big Goodbye, but I feel like we haven't really gotten into Tasha Yar yet. Her, her. She's definitely in this episode. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should wait, save it for another time. But I mean, I, I was. Okay. You know, I think it's not a secret. I think that we don't love her. She had a couple of like. I, mean, I pretty, don't think anybody does. Yeah, she had a couple of like pretty bad line readings on the show, but also like uh, I guess I don't want to. I don't want this to be the, the episode that's a referendum on her because she, it's not like she had like a ton that's of fair. view. You know, mostly she just had to point yeah. point a gun at a shampoo bottle. Although there was, there was also I think it's when when Data's gonna jump down into the cave to help Picard and Crusher. Uh, she says something about how sturdy he is. And it, the only thing I could think of is I wonder if this is before or after the episode where, yeah. The episode where they have sex. Because that's like a really early one, isn't it? It's episode two, which I, like when we do that episode eventually, like I will talk about this. That's, that's all I want to talk about is that they did that in episode two, which is still uh, never stop being crazy to me that you're going to do an episode about how everyone is acting not like themselves in the second Before episode you establish who themselves are. Show when you don't know how anyone is supposed to act yeah. to begin with. But anyway, okay. they did an episode two. The, I, so I, I looked at my notes. I got a couple of little things. I, I really was struck by like how different everything is. I know we talked about this a little bit, but you know they have their, their front zipper pajama, footy, like footy, footy yeah. pajama costumes. Riker doesn't have a beard. Jordy is on the helm. Yara is there. Worf is wearing red. Uh, Jordy is wearing red. Worf and Deanna have, uh, or Deanna have different like t- like tight haircuts yeah. like in in this. Um, I just, it was it was just so weird to see all this different stuff. I I also thought it was interesting that I forgot about this, but they they were talking about how that Riker could have been the commander of the Drake. I thought that was interesting that they, they set up right away that he could have had his own ship. And I kind of had forgotten about that. I mean, I know obviously they talk about it later quite a bit, especially in, you know, those yeah. Best of Both Worlds episodes. But I forgot that was like a thing right from the beginning that he's kind of like, he could be a captain. And, and for various reasons, he's chosen not to be, which I thought was kind of interesting like place to put that character. Yeah. And, and, and I think they, because it is definitely something they come to at various points, I think, through the show. But, but yeah, it's definitely part of his character is that He's considered to be, you know, very good, very capable at any time he wanted, could be a great captain in his own right, but would rather kind of serve under, he has so much respect for Picard and like the, just the Enterprise itself that he would rather serve kind of under him on this ship for, at this point in his career. Which, yeah, I think, and, and we got into that quite a bit when we talked about it on Best of Both Worlds, but well, isn't, again, isn't it also in the, is it in the first season that there, um, there's the episode where Q shows up and like offers to make Riker part of the Q? Like yes, he's such a, he's season. such a like cool dude that they're like, we think you would make a good God. And he's just like, no, I'd rather be on the Enterprise. <laughs> the, the irritation with which everyone, like everyone treats Q. I, yeah. I oh, I hope we get a show. Q episode soon. Those are, those are fun. Yeah. Uh, the the only thing I think I had in my notes was I forgot about this. I wa- I wanted to make note of this though is that I believe this is in like kind of the the answering me see message that they kind of tap into at the beginning of the episode. The hologram from the planet that they're going to. He's talking about how you should you should buy sooner rather than later, and he says. The early bird that hesitates gets worms. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I remember that. I was like, I don't know what what they were going for there. Yeah, it, it's, which, I, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a play on, like, the, it's a play on, but also, like, a reversal of the old, like, saying, 
And I, I, I almost wonder if it was meant to be like a reference to the idea that that axiom is not like is 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 different on other planets for like this is what they would say on yeah, this planet. Yeah, and that was that was kind of what the, I don't know if that was what was intended, but that was kind of what I thought is that that would be an interesting thing and when you have like universal translators especially with like pre-recorded things is what you do with sort of idioms or sayings that like is it something that just didn't translate. You know, it like knew that this was some kind of a saying, but it just didn't translate well yeah it's very strange though because you know the the meaning to i think most of like the the human beings on that ship would just would almost be it's okay if you don't if you, if you don't act quickly because you wanted a worm if you're a bird that's what you yeah. want anyway you want yeah that that was very i i couldn't figure what they were going for with that because it was really weird anyway that was just my that's my like my my highlighting one weird line reading of the yeah. of the episode but yeah I also really like there was, and I think it was near the end where when they're trying to uh, destroy the the drone in space, and essentially what they figure out is that if they fly down into the planet's atmosphere, that they'll see sort of a, uh, I guess like a steam trail or like essentially clouds moving around the drone so that they can see where it is. And Jordy asks Worf, he says, Worf, how fast can you get a phaser lock on it? And Worf, all Worf says is, fast and then jordy like nods approvingly i was like that was a useful exchange of information but i liked it yeah it's it's very different than like where you know when, when jordy is a chief engineer like picard will ask him a question and he'll say oh i can do it in you know <laughs> x minutes <laughs> or, or and then and then picard will say i want to you know three minutes yeah. faster than that or whatever course is like yeah i can do it fast i don't know if i think this is still in the portion of of wharf where he doesn't get more than like one word lines to say at a time. It's just like, just stand back there and look gruff and say something angry every now and then. Mm -hmm. I think Worf eventually comes into his own somewhat, although I think the the character in TNG, there's always like a little bit of feeling like they could do more with him. But yeah, in the first, in the first season, especially he's pretty, it's pretty rough because they don't know what to do with him. A, because the job he ends up taking is being held by Yar. Yeah, that's right. In the first season, there is this very weird, like, what exactly is your job? Yeah. It, but then he also he's like he's kind of stupid and animal animalistic. Like I think in the I think in the very first episode of the show, at one point he sees Q and then he growls at him like an animal, <laughs> and it's, it's like. Eh. <laughs> but I think uh, Michael Dorn had to endure a lot of indignities on yeah. the show for a while. But I don't know that I have a lot else. Do you have anything else you no, want to talk about? I don't think so, really. Okay. Um, well, yeah. This is a you know this is kind of. An episode of Star Trek. Uh, it, it, it's uh, got a little bit of message, and it had a little bit of character development, and it was, you know, there's there's better yeah. episodes of Star Trek, and certainly. I think so. Even with the characters, I feel like there's, with all of them, there's kind of little bits and scenes where you can kind of see glimpses, like see them starting to figure out who these characters are and see glimpses of that, but it's very much still not there yet. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it. That'll do it for us this, uh, this episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. This is... Uh, this is episode 19. I, I think next next time we're going to be watching a much more kind of unique, probably a little bit meatier. Yeah, our next next time we are going to be talking about season... So it's, it's going to be Voyager season 5, and then it's actually like a double-sized episode. So technically it is episode 15 and 16 but it was not like a two-parter episode it was it was all like shot as one thing and so this is this episode is called dark frontier so that's what we're going to be doing next time in, in two weeks from uh today 
and that this episode comes out. And in the meantime, you can email us at uh, outofcontracts at gmail.com, which is contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. Or you can follow us on Twitter at contracts and talk to us there. I try to check that periodically. I'm not the best at it, but you can also, you know, listen to us on iTunes or any other podcatcher and, and you know, rate us there too if, you, if you'd like. We'd appreciate that. And yeah, I think that's all, all we got for this episode. So we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody.